What's up, everyone? It's Nurse Blake, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Nurse Blake podcast. This episode is all going to be about nursing is in crisis after a New York Times article that was published a few days ago, and I am hot. I am so ready to talk about this topic, and of course, I'm here with my husband, the amazing man, the love of my life, Brett. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Babe, I am like, so want to talk about this. Yeah, you've been talking about this all morning. I know. So there was a New York Times article that just came out. It was originally published on the 21st, updated on the 23rd, called Nursing is in Crisis, Staff Staff Shortages Put Patients at Risk. There's a lot in this article that we're going to unpack, and there's a lot I want to say about it. I can't wait. In addition to being hot about this article, I'm also hot because I got my very first Starbucks pumpkin spice latte of the season. It's pumpkin season, baby. It is spooky season, baby. I actually wanted to go the other day, but they didn't have the pumpkin yet, but it is officially here, and I've changed it up. Because I'm getting into the fall season okay. already, I got a hot coffee. Oh, which is very different from very my iced. autumn. I want to feel like it's cool outside and sweater weather, but yet it's like 90 degrees it's out, sweltering. So I got at Starbucks this morning after waiting in the Starbucks line for 45 minutes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I got a tall pumpkin spice latte with oat milk, half decaf, because I can't handle full caffeine right now. Oh, <laughs> especially because you're so hot. So hot. Talking about this article. I think I'm so hot because it's this hot coffee. Well, and it's 90 degrees out and, this and hot it's hot weather. in this room today. <laughs> yeah, everything is hot. So how is it? Was it worth the wait? It's so good. Oh my I, gosh. I love pumpkin. Uh. I So my secret is I actually eat pumpkin all year round. Mm-hmm. Almost every day I have a slice of pumpkin bread from Starbucks. Warmed up. Warmed up. So I don't really know if it's like, if I feel the season anymore, maybe I'm ruining it for myself. Cause I love pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin bread, but because they serve it all year long, I no longer have a pumpkin season. I know. And sometimes you get two. Well, that's, that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes he gets two with a chocolate brownie. Yeah. Sometimes. Ah, Depends on how so I feel. Much. I love that. <laughs> I've, I don't like like bread. Like I'd rather drink my calories than eat my calories. Oh, I could eat bread all day long. I do like, so (laughs) I like bread too, but like having like a pumpkin loaf as like a dessert or something, that's like not my thing. Oh, lemon, lemon bread. uh, Lemon bread. Yeah. Grandpa over here. Lemon. They they have the frosted uh, lemon loaf or whatever lemon. they call it. You know who eats Starbucks? you know who eats lemon stuff? Grandma's old people. Old people. <laughs> Grandpa's. I like lemon. I'm into it. You better get ready because our next podcast, we're gonna be celebrating 25 episodes and we're gonna be drinking. I have been so excited about this. You teased this out like five episodes ago and I have just been counting down the weeks. I got um high noons. Oh I like those. I don't think that will do the job. So I'm gonna go to the liquor soap. Up at the corner, yes. get something like maybe Casamigas, and we're gonna do a little shot. At tequila. Yeah, we, we have like one of those convenience store looking like 1970s liquor store right down the street. 
Yep. I've never been in there. <laughs> they probably don't is. have Casamigas. Yeah, probably not. Um, but the next episode, so fun, is going to be all about dating a nursing student. Oh, fun. Because in addition to pumpkin season, it's also nursing school season. Well, we're going to be drunk. Uh, for the podcast. For the fun. podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I just, just hope... I just hope, can I interject, that yeah. we record it in the middle of the day? Because that just makes it that much more fun. I have a fun fact about myself. So when I was an injury prevention coordinator in Houston, Texas, I did a lot of education on drinking and driving, yeah. not drinking and driving, because how dangerous it is. So many people you know, die in car crashes from DWIs in the state of Texas where I was working. It was a lot. Oh, it was thousands. And so I was a part of the wet lab. The what? Wet <laughs> lab. So what oh, this I was, this. I would go to the police station and as they were training new recruits on how to do DWI, they had a group of volunteers. There were about 20 of us and they got us drunk. <laughs> they were serving us in red solo cups so strong. We had to drink a certain amount every hour, if not every like certain number of minutes, and they breathalyzed us to make sure we hit the limit. And then they would take us to go get um, tested. We had to do all the tests, like your finger to the nose, yeah. you know, walk the line, and these recruits would have to determine, you know, if we were intoxicated or not. So you were training basically for the police officers to, to learn on how mm -hmm. to detect whether someone's truly in the wet lab was free. You didn't even have to pay for the alcohol. What a deal. Um, of course, if you participated in it, you either got a drive home um, from one of the officers or you had to have a um, DD designated driver. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's good. Right. Yeah. But it was crazy. It was just so much fun. I would actually do it again. Uh, that sounds like do it so you. much fun. We'll have to see if they do that here in Central Florida. I'm sure they do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I also, we also had like drunk goggles. I remember I brought those. those home. Yes. And the goggles, um, the lens is based on different levels of intoxication. Mm -hmm. And you put the goggles on, do these certain tasks. And it's like shocking. You couldn't see nothing. anything. You were so disoriented. And didn't you also have like um, LSD goggles and some other mm -hmm. like specific illicit drug? Yeah. For sure. I yeah, did. Yeah, cool. we did that. So we would like go in and teach like and do games with high schoolers and like college students on this is what it's like when you're under the influence. Well, and I remember you had um, pedal carts because yeah. I came and saw you a few times. You would set up at like a fair, mm -hmm. you know, as the injury um, prevention, prevention coordinator. coordinator of Harris County. Big title. Thank you. You would set up these petty carts and and go, you know, allow people to wheel them around while wearing those goggles and they'd be running into all sorts of stuff. That was a fun job. That was almost one of my favorite jobs. I would say it was my favorite job. I was an injury prevention coordinator over Harris County, um, one of the largest hospital systems in the country. And I, <laughs> because I raised so much money for my job, I got us a um, a trailer to yep. pull behind my car, and then I got us through fundraising. I got us the goggles. I got us the carts. Like <laughs> it was a blast. It was really cool. But it made me realize like that nurses do have a unique opportunity to you know save lives and help others outside of the bedside. Yeah, totally. Try to prevent injuries before they happen. Yeah, because that that position required you to be a nurse. It wasn't like. No, it has to, yeah, it has to be our nurse. And if you're a level one trauma center, 
you have to do some sort of injury prevention. That's really cool. I mean, trying to prevent injury before it happens totally makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Reminder, my tour kicks off in less than two weeks. We start off in Charlotte. There's only like a handful of seats left in Charlotte. And then we added Chattanooga and also Durham shows the first week. Open more seats in Jacksonville. Also added a second show in Fort Lauderdale. So if you want to get your tickets, you can get your tickets now at nurseblake.com. And I will see you soon. September is going to be busy. Busy. We're going to be busy. The whole fall is going to be busy. It is so I cannot wait. I'm going to run on pumpkin spice the whole tour. I'm going to run on Celsius. And also another reminder, we've, as you know, hit our five, or don't know, this just happened. We hit our 5,000th user on NurseCon. In less than two weeks. Which was actually our goal by the end of the year. But because we hit it, thank you all so much for downloading the app and being active users. The community is so popular. Everyone is chatting and starting groups. People are taking their CNE courses. Our new goal is to hit 25,000 users by the end of the year, which I think we can do it. I think we can. With all your help. So please spread the word. If you know anyone that needs CNE courses, they do not have to pay through NurseCon because it is free. Totally free. And today, if y'all don't know, is National Dog Day. Ah! I love dogs. I love dogs. I'm such a dog person. Speaking of dogs, Brett, actually, (laughs) your favorite thing this week is ink box tattoos. My new tattoo. They are fake temporary tattoos that last like two weeks. Listen, everyone thinks it's real. It looks real. He put on his bicep um, dog, a wolf. It's it's a wolf. It's kind of like a fine line wolf. It's really cute. And I think the trick is you get a fairly small tattoo when you put it on your bicep. It makes your bicep look huge. Mm, is that the trick? I think it looks so. really cute. I really like it. Would you consider... Oh my gosh. Would you consider getting a tattoo? I definitely would. I think if I got a tattoo, it would be of all the dogs. Don't say tattoo. Say tat. Tat. Yeah. Tat. That's better. Yeah. I totally get tat. Hot. I get like a fucking like a half sleeve or like a like a, <laughs> <laughs> like a what? Like a half sleeve or something, bro. Like she you know, no, like, Is this working for you? No, he, he says cool guys that do tats, they don't eat lemon butter cool. cakes. <laughs> lemon loaf <laughs> at Starbucks. <laughs> they don't get lemon loaves. <laughs> this Star- podcast is going downhill. <laughs> Speaking it's National Dog Day. <laughs> it's National Dog Day. Yes. So I would get uh, tattoos of my doggies. Aww. You know, so I had Skippy growing up. We had Nala together, and now we have Zion and Ranger. They're so cute. They're doing really good. Yeah. They're at daycare right now, and they love swimming at daycare. So, oh, I know. We watch them on the cameras. They're so always in the pool. Happy National Dog Day to all your doggies. Make sure to give them lots of love and kisses. Go by the store and get them toys. And treats. You know I'm going to go by the store and get them toys. Oh, of course. I know. They have all You're the toys. Con- <laughs> they have so They have all toys. the toys. I trip once a day on their toys. It makes me so mad, but then I just get them new ones. Perfect. Um, are you ready to jump into this article? Yeah, let's talk about it. 
New York Times article, Nursing in Crisis, Staff Shortages Put Patients at Risk. So this article um, was shared by Nurse Abnormalities, my yep. friend Danielle. She is a nurse practitioner. She is on Instagram. You could follow her at Nurse Abnormalities. She talked about uh, a few of the key points in this article, and I definitely share the same thoughts and sentiment as her. And if you want to get her thoughts and feedback, you could follow her on Instagram and see it in her latest post, but we're going to be talking about it. So this article has feedback from one staff nurse, one bedside nurse, and multiple executives. Of course. Always. Always. You know why? It's so hard to find nurses. Right. There's like (laughs) 4 million nurses and you find one to talk about the crisis that affects us. Right. So this is clearly written primarily from the perspective then. Of uh, a hospital director, CNOs, CEOs. Wow. Okay. So every hospital has a CEO, chief executive officer. Most of the time they are, have no experience in healthcare. They're, they're on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're managing, like any business will have a president or CEO, mm-hmm. um, someone who ultimately is the top of the food chain. There often is, uh, like the board of directors mm-hmm. really is is their boss, but they yep. manage the day-to-day operations of the entire business. Mm-hmm. They're the one, someone has to get paid the million dollars. They typically are the ones. Yeah, yeah, someone has to get paid the million dollars. And then you have CNOs, chief nursing officers. These are nurses, yep. which is cool. Um, however, they make a lot of decisions that impact bedside nurses, but yet are away from the bedside. Yeah, so I mean, they are on the executive team um, and represent the nurses, mm-hmm. but at the same time are making decisions for the hospital. Right. So they walk a fine line. They do. It I personally would not want that position because you do have to obviously advocate for the staff nurses, the bedside nurses, patient care. But on the other side of that, you have a CEO and board of directors that you're reporting to. Absolutely. Um, someone has to make a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I hope they make more than a hundred thousand. I think they make I, I looked it up on salary.com and it's between like one ninety to like three hundred thousand. That's pretty good. Although let me tell you, it is a lot of work. It's it's not nurse like it's not nursing work, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, executive work. So it's it's a lot of high pressure stuff. Uh okay. I'm gonna push back on that. Okay. That's fine. There is nothing more high pressure than trying to save a life at the bedside. I don't care oh, what it is. Heard. That Heard. totally makes sense. What's that? Heard. What does that mean? Uh, I'm being very, I'm channeling my Gen Z today. I mean, I, I have great relationships with a lot of CNOs. I know a lot of awesome CNOs that have really advocated for nurses. I've worked at seven hospitals around the country, and I've also experienced um, very inactive CNOs. Yeah. Ones that I have never met before ones that I have never seen any representation at the hospital. So just like, just like any position, you could have someone who's really good at their job. And then you have someone who's really bad at their job. And I think CNOs, you know, there's good ones out there, but there's also ones that don't help advocate for the staff nurses and bedside nurses. And no matter what job you have as a nurse in the position where I am and where I see myself at the end of the day, I will always advocate for the bedside nurse. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So this article goes in to say that the, the pandemic has tested nurses' skills and stamina like never before. That most of the, uh, that bedside nurses are the workhorse of a well-oiled hospital. Let me tell you that no hospital is well-oiled. A lot of hospitals have many problems, and nurses are not workhorses. Uh, nurse have normalities. Uh, Danielle, I think she said this best. She said, not only did the Times only interview one nurse for this article, in a tasteless manner, they called nurses workhorses of the hospital. Note to the general public, nurses are not workhorses. They are people who deserve to be treated like human beings. And the perception of being a workhorse grants administration permission to overwork and underpay us. Very well said. We are not workhorses. You're skilled practitioners. That was so sexy coming out of your mouth. Oh, yes. We are skilled practitioners. We are not workhorses. And most hospitals I've worked in are not well-oiled. Um, that all of this has left us depleted and traumatized and our ranks are thinning by early retirements and career shifts. Working at the bedside is hard and we've had these problems before. I think nursing is in a crisis, Uh, not necessarily in the way that this article is portraying it, but I think nursing has been in a crisis even before the pandemic. Well, and isn't this the same narrative that we have been talking about? Yes, for what you've been talking about since you became a nurse, right? It's the MO of the hospital to put all of the the issues at hand on the nurses themselves instead of the ways that they staff their hospital, manage their people. I've been talking about policies. this since nursing school. Nothing I new. saw it in clinical. Nothing has changed. Nope. Um, that nurses are at their wits end. They are tired, overburdened, and feel like forgotten soldiers. And th- these are coming from people saying this in the article are the executives of the hospital. Most of the times we are forgotten by them. We're yeah. forgotten by the hospital. We are not heard at the hospital. We are not brought in to make decisions. Um, and it says that in an effort to treat uh, COVID patients, which leads to longer emergency room waiting times, rushed or inadequate, inadequate care as healthcare workers struggle to treat patients who often require around-the-clock care. Again, these have been problems that have been around a lot longer than the pandemic. ER wait rooms, hours, yeah, hours before the pandemic. We're talking about rushed or inadequate care. Ever since I became a nurse seven years ago, Always rushed. Yep. Never been able to do the the nursing practice. I've never been able to care for a patient the same way as I thought I'd be able to care for a patient when I wanted to become a nurse. It's the whole art and science thing, right? Right. It's the art and science. Like the art is so important, but we're so overworked, so overburdened that we don't get the chance to really connect and advocate for our patients Um, One of the hospital systems I worked in, um, the system has over 400 openings for bedside nurses, including 17 that became vacant in the last three weeks. This pandemic, we are a year and a half into it. Make sure you're staffed. With staffing shortages plaguing hospitals coast to coast, bidding wars have pushed salaries for travel nurses to (laughs) statistrophic, statistrophic, statistrophic. How do you say that? Uh, 
catastrophic. Where, where are you at? Oh, stratospheric levels. Woo! It, outer space, baby. <laughs> to the moon, baby. To the moon, baby. <laughs> Bidding wars have pushed salaries to the moon, baby. Nursing to the moon. Depleting staff um, at hospitals that can't afford to compete. And we're kind of bouncing around this article just sure. because there, yeah. there's so much there's so in much. it. It's a big article. And this is one example. Um, some hospitals have been losing experienced nurses to recruiters who offer $20,000 sign-on bonuses and 140 an hour wages. Uh, by contrast, a certain hospital in Texas pays its nurses 43 an hour with a $2 stipend for those who work on the night shift, shift if. Yep. Um, and this uh, um, executive saying that's ridiculous money, which gives you a sense of how desperate everyone is, I think, in terms of staffing. Well, the market pays what the market demands. Thank you. At the end of the day. One of the things these hospitals are really upset about right now, and this is actually across many industries now post-pandemic. You know, we've seen all the shortages even at, you know, fast food restaurants and whatnot. Like, we are in a, in a place right now where businesses are not in control of income and what they pay their staff. Mm -hmm. And right. they can't handle it. No. All of a sudden, the power is in the workers. Yep. And they are demanding more money. Of course, the hospitals don't want to pay it. Right. But that's the position. It has been the opposite for decades. Yep. So, you know, it should be something, honestly, that's celebrated because the workers finally get the opportunity to leverage their skills yep. and, and their resources um, to provide better for their families. Yep. Period. If I'm going to work short staff somewhere, I'm going to choose this $20,000 sign-on bonus Absolutely. at the end of the day. And this executive was asked whether their hospital offered sign-on bonuses. And she said the best she can do is pass out goodie bags filled with gum, <laughs> bottled water, and a letter of appreciation that includes online resources for those overwhelmed by the stress of the past few weeks. That is funny. We should laugh at it. Wow. But inside, it makes me so angry and so pissed off because there's so much more that you could do for your nurses Besides a sign-on bonus and then gum and bottled water and a letter of appreciation, that's like a joke. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like a joke. It's not all about money. It's not all about money, and I think that I, I think we're in a situation where most of the hospitals are treating their nurses like this. So you might as well, if you know, you're going to get treated poorly. You might as well take the sign-on bonus. Yep. But that shouldn't matter. We should all have healthy work environments where we feel supported. There's adequate staffing. No one has listened to us for the past. So many years about the staffing shortages. Like it is time to put in place mandated safe staffing ratios across the country. Absolutely. Um, healthcare travel companies are booking 3,500 registered nurses a week, double pre-pandemic levels, but they still have us on a website over 40,000 unfilled jobs. Many experts fear the exodus will accelerate as the pandemic drags on and burnout intensifies. Multiple surveys suggest that nurses are feeling increasingly embattled. Uh, the unrelenting workloads, the moral injury caused by their inability to provide quality care and dismay as emergency rooms fill. We've been tired, still tired. Uh, but there's an issue here about getting more 
uh, nurses, you know, through the system. Um, increasing the nation's nursing workforce is no easy task. The U.S. is producing about 170,000 nurses a year, mm-hmm. but 80,000 qualified applicants were rejected in 2019 because of the lack of teaching staff. Wow. So if anyone out there is looking to become a nurse and you didn't get in, listen, that doesn't mean you are unqualified. Right. You were qualified, but there is a lack of, of teaching staff. And what they t- pay nursing professors is... It's not much. A joke. Yeah. In most, in most cases. In a lot of cases. Like, a lot of cases you could get of. paid more as a bedside nurse than you can being a nursing professor training a hundred, you know, new potential new nurses. nurses. Yeah. And that's so sad. Especially with how much uh, nursing school costs. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and let's, let's, let's go to that because I have a little note here that has the star. Most hospitals and nursing schools, most of them are nonprofits. Yeah. A lot of them, you know, these hospitals are saying they can't provide anything to their nurses, but we know nonprofits. If you are a good nonprofit, you have the ability to fundraise. You have the ability to partner with local large businesses to be able to provide more or ask for more. We know when the hospitals here in Orlando, they just spent millions of dollars sponsoring NASCAR. Yeah, like $40 million. But why isn't NASCAR helping out the hospital and the nurses? Don't know. Did I tell you I was hot? Hot. Hot. I love it when you get all fired up like this, though. Hot. You know, this, you know, we talked about this, how this clearly was an issue before the pandemic. And the pandemic has only made it worse. I think one of the major issues is hospitals were woefully unprepared for the pandemic. Like any lean business they don't invest in things that they might need in the future, right? It's just like the average person doesn't save nearly as much of their income as they should for a rainy day. But at the end of the day, the healthcare system should not be a lean enterprise. It should not be something where it just gets by with like a little tiny margin Margin. on top every year, because guess what? A pandemic happened. Right. So if you take that mentality and you think like they're thinking like that as a business, and then you apply it, to nurses saying, hey, we need better staffing ratios. We need more pay. We need our breaks. Mm-hmm. Well, they've gotten away with it for so long. So long. Why were they going to change? Yep. And then the pandemic happens. And now, oh, woe is the hospitals that they just, there just aren't enough nurses. You know, it's just, it's, it's a sad narrative. There is a um, nursing executive that I do like, and I will call them out. Um, she's a nursing office, chief nursing officer, CNO for a leading hospital network. And she has been running on fumes and has even worked, uh, 60 hours as a staff nurse over the previous week on top of her administrative duties. I love that. And I think that's pretty awesome, you know, to see a need and to be able to go out and help your staff during such a a difficult time. Yeah. And I I do think again, and we do this every time we talk about it. Yeah. We definitely want to give a shout out to all the amazing administrators out there that, that really understand the situation and, and work hard. I do feel in some situations 
there are there are other things at work, other hospital policies that sometimes preclude managers from being able to yeah. do certain things. But the fact that you've got some that are li- literally willing to jump in mm-hmm. hands first yeah. um, and and help and do what they were trained to and and pick up the slack where they ha- where they can mm-hmm. is is awesome. I get a few comments when I talk about issues like this from leadership or management. Whenever I I um, bring up an issue that's really you know uh, a serious issue and topic, like you said, there are great managers out there. They are great CNOs out there, and you are so awesome. Thank you so much. But we have to open our eyes to the issue that staff nurses and nurses all over this country and world are facing right now. If we don't talk about the harsh realities, it will never change. So to the great CNOs and managers, keep doing what you're doing. Love you so much. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about the bigger there, problem. There is a there is an overwhelming trend that we see from from hospitals and even some more nursing organizations where they sugarcoat everything. <laughs> We're, We're the, the most trusted profession. Oh, everything's Ugh. wonderful. Everything's Ugh. great, and the reality is, for many many nurses, probably most nurses, um, they are overworked. They are underappreciated. Where are the nursing organizations? Silent. 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 Where are the nursing organizations that are supposed to be advocating for us? Silent. Step up. Nurses need you. And on top of all this, we've lost uh, nurses to the coronavirus. More than 1,200 of them have died from the virus. Wow. And yet we're still here. Just like this executive is like, we've been... For the past three weeks, I know they've been overwhelmed by the stress. We've been in this pandemic a year and a half. Literally two weeks into this pandemic, we should have been. Hospitals were out of masks. Thank you. Why were you not? How are we not not prepared for this? And I feel like if if hospitals were a big organization like Amazon that employed so many people, I think there'd be a huge spotlight on the issue. But there's hundreds of thousands of hospitals, you know. Even though they all have the same problem, it's hard to really pinpoint and really show, you know, the world what's really happening because all the hospitals are, you know. It is really interesting because in many metropolitan areas, the the major healthcare facilities are the largest employers. They are. But they are also very influential with the local media, with the local government. Um, and a lot of this stuff gets buried. I mean, look at this New York Times article <laughs> and- it's being completely written by the healthcare system and not for, not the nurses who, and, and I fully believe that this person, when they, this um, um, writer, when they, when they went out to, to explore this um, had the intention of right. really like providing clear insight of the work staff, yeah. but by getting it from the hospital's like right. perspective, it, it's done nothing. So if you get a chance to go through this article, I highly recommend it. There are pictures and they show healthcare, you know, bedside nurses and bedside healthcare providers like treating patients, but yet they have all these executives looking all pretty dressed up outside of their office or outside. Like it's a big photo shoot. It's like, no, right. No, thank you. You should be too busy to get a picture right now. Interesting. Interesting. Hospitals, at the end of the day, are, are struggling financially for multiple reasons, you know, and I, I, I heard that HCAPS, which is a survey that goes out to all patients, 
it is based on patient satisfaction, yep. which correlates to reimbursement, Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement to the hospitals. They're still sending out these patient satisfaction surveys right now. <laughs> so I do a little, I'm going to save a little spot for, you know, hospitals on that end. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of sucks. But that's it. Uh, I would also like to say that not all hospitals are struggling. There are many yes. insanely profitable. <laughs> I did so much work on constructing and designing new healthcare facilities, and you would be disgusted by the amount of money they were pouring in to make these finishes more beautiful and to put a fountain in the front and to no. do extra towers. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, they, they have so much pull. I mean, you just mentioned, I mean, look at the marketing, look at the billboards. That Every hospital. They're fighting each other. They're spending more money on marketing than they are dealing with their nursing crisis. Yes. Because at the end of the day, they're fighting for, you know, COVID patients to come to their healthcare facility instead of the other healthcare facility in, right. in, in the town. Yeah. And, and they, they care more about them. They spend more, more on that and don't, don't get it twisted mm -hmm. that a nonprofit <laughs> is a some angel organization, yeah, or B doesn't make a profit. A nonprofit just simply doesn't distribute their their profit; they right. reinvest it, and they reinvest it in the wrong things. Well, or often they they do siphon it sometimes into other <clears throat> investments. Types of, well, and other organizations, mm -hmm. but we we won't go into that. But yeah, so they these uh, there there are plenty now. At the same time. I am sure there are many hospitals and smaller clinics and possibly even some larger ones that truly are struggling, mm -hmm. but they also have often uh, an, an, an amazing amount of capital mm -hmm. at their fingertips. They borrow money, mm -hmm. they leverage money. I mean, they, they have assets, billions of dollars in assets. Right. Yeah. So um, that's not an excuse. No. The excuse is not, oh, the, well, the, our hospital is just, you know, hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Most likely not the case. It's National Dog Day. I love it. to be a happy day. We're going to take a brief break and we're going to play a little game. We're going to play dog trivia to sidetrack us because I need to breathe. I need to get so less hot. We're going to do some trivia. All right, let's do it. Okay, here we go. We got our little target basket. Okay, so we're going to ask each other questions. I don't know. Fun. Okay. Don't let me see the back. Ah. All right. In 2020, what was the most popular dog name? Was it Chewy, Fluffy, or Bella? Bella. Yeah. Is that because of movie or just uh, what, Bella, what no, year? That was 2020. Really, Bella. Bella was uh, Twilight. Twilight, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, how old was the verified world's oldest dog when he passed away in human years? Oh, in human years. Oh. Well, my dog Skippy lived to 18. I think that's like 110 in human years. Um, I would say, uh, well, if it's in human years, I'll Sorry. say 100. This is in dog years. Like actual years or like? Actual years. Actual years. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, 22. 29. 29. An Australian cattle hound named Bluey reportedly lived from 1910 to 1939. Aw, I love so that. That's so cute. Dogs Aww. should live longer. Thank Dogs you. should live longer than people, frankly. Right, thank you. I don't know who came up with that. 
Okay. Uh, true or false, Dalmatians are born with spots. So when they're born. When they- false. That's correct. False. Dalmatian Yay. puppies are born with a white coat and the spots come in later. Aw, that's so cute. That. I love that. That is cute. Which doll, dog breed is the smallest of all of them? Oh, do, 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 do. I would say um, Chihuahua. Yep, good job. Oh, I didn't really? even have to give you choices. Oh, I love that. Cool. I know my doggies. Uh, which dog yodels instead of barks? Is it a basset hound, a basenji, or an otter hound? That would be a Basenji. 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 Vanji. Vanji. I love it. Oh, my turn? Yep. Which breed's coat has a similar texture to human hair? Oh, ew. A um, Yorkshire Terrier, a smooth Fox Terrier, or a Poodle? Well, I know it's a Terrier. Oh. Um, Confident. Yeah, very. Um... <sighs> Yorkshire. Good job. Yes. yes. Yorkshire. T- they're so cute. And they are really cute. I love them. Okay. Uh, what is the name of the dog on the front of the Cracker Jack box? Is it Max, Bingo, or Jack? There's a dog on the Cracker Jack box? Yeah. Uh, Max, Bingo, or Jack? Jack. Jack, Jack in the box. That would make sense, but the answer is Bingo. Dang it. Yeah. Should know this. Sorry about that. That's okay. I love these games, by the way. Me too. They're so fun. Uh, which dog breed has a black tongue? Uh, chow. Good job. You know your doggies. Yeah, I do. Wow. You don't even need these choices. Well, we spend enough time at uh, doggy daycare. To know all the dogs. Uh-huh. Uh, Our dogs get a little report card. Oh, it's so cute. Tell me about it. After doggy daycare. So Zion and Ranger get their report card when we pick them up. Sometimes we bring them to the office and yep. into the studios to do stuff. Uh, or we leave them at home. And sometimes we take them to dog care. But um, they get a report card on how they're doing. Most times they are between cuddly, playful, and mischievous. Mm-hmm. They also list their best friends of the day. Yep. And their they, favorite activities. Favorite activities, which has been pool uh-huh. lately and playing tag back and forth. Aww. I love it. It's so cute. Um, all right, here's a question. Puppies are delivered how many weeks after conception? 22, 14, or 9? Nine? 9. Yeah, just 9 weeks. Yeah, nine That's weeks. why they're so tiny and two adorable. months. That's almost 2 months. That is so cute. What is a dog Really? This can be so easy for you. Okay. What is a dog's most highly developed sense? Smell. Good job. Yes. <laughs> All right. True or false? Dogs can only see in black and white. False. That's right. False. I know that they are colorblind, yep. but they do see some colors. Dogs sweat through which part of their body? Uh, their tongue. I wasn't done. Oh, okay. Armpits? Uh-huh. Ears? Uh-huh. Or paws? Oh, they sweat through their paws, too. Paws. Yeah. Good job. Yep. I love that. Fun. A smart husband. That's why you married me. How many teeth do normal adult dogs have? 24, 32, or 42? Uh, the lowest one. No, the highest one. 42, 42 teeth. Zion and Ranger have 42 mm-hmm. teeth. Oh, yeah. I felt them. Wow. Yeah. They bit you? Yeah, they get a little snippy sometimes. Last one. Last one. Oh. Here we go. 
They don't bite me. They love me. They do. What is the most popular breed of dog in the U.S.? German Shepherd, Labrador Retriever, or the Beagle? Labrador Retriever. Good job. Fun. Fun. Happy National Dog Day to all the poppos out there. Let's keep getting hot. You took that little break. Oh, we're jumping right back into it. We're jumping into, where do we go from here? And our thoughts and everything. (sighs) Well, I'm really disappointed that they didn't interview more nurses. At least balance yeah. it out. You for know? sure. I think that eventually, you know, nursing, the, the crisis that we've all been experiencing even before the pandemic, whether that's shortage or burnout or retention or all these other terms, um, I think it needed to hit a breaking point. And I hope we're at that breaking point to the point it just gets better from here. I hope so, but I don't see a whole lot of signs. I I don't want to be a pessimist, but here's a perfect example. So this narrative is going out in like the largest newspaper in the country. The average person probably has heard that nurses are stressed. They've heard that there's a shortage, but they don't know why. They don't really understand the issue. Yeah. Now, the good news is so many people have close friends or family who are nurses. I was yeah. literally at uh, Verizon yesterday mm-hmm. at the Verizon store, and I was talking to the guy, and he he knows us. We've been going there for a couple years, and um, he was giving me an update. His wife is a nurse. In fact, they got married two weeks ago. No way. And um, she is working four days a week, mm-hmm. 12-hour shifts. She's making like $60 an hour because she's on some assignment um, just up uh, yep. up on the coast, so not too far from here. And she is so burned out. She has like two more months on this special overtime assignment. And it's within the same hospital okay. system, which is really interesting. But she's yep. on special assignment to help fill in. And he's like, she is just done. Some people aren't even taking the money. I know some hospitals are like paying. Like if you just come to your scheduled shift... We'll we pay will extra. pay you. And nurses are like, no. Wow. No. That's bad. I call on all the nursing organizations to come together, sit down with bedside nurses, and we have to figure this out. Or it's not going to get better. The no. crisis is going to get worse and worse and worse. I feel like for nurses at the end of the day that we have to, and I get into this in my tour and in the show, And I'm really excited to see nurses because I think what we need right now is each other and we need to come together to have a night of laughs to kind of forget, you know, for a moment, the craziness and the crisis that is, that is nursing right now. Uh, And um, we have to come together and we have to remind ourselves, you know, it's not worth someone being miserable or feeling the feeling of burnout um, that you have to care for yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, you're the most important thing in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, nursing is already a very selfless act. You know, that's, I mean, you're caring for others and I think that's wonderful, but we still have to hold the employers responsible for staffing. Yep. It's not, it's not the team's fault. Yeah. It's and the look, the, what, like one of the executives says here, uh, <laughs> I'm going to pull this up because I want to see, um, I give a letter of appreciation that includes online resources for those overwhelmed by the stress. Again, this is this is gaslighting because you're overwhelmed. Right. Not like, no, everything they're doing is overwhelming us. Right. It's like, we can't handle the stress. Well, we shouldn't be put to a burner every single shift walking into a shit show 
every time we come into work. That's the problem. That's the problem. I, I will give that. <laughs> I will give that online resources back to them, <laughs> and say I don't need this. Thank you. If I'm stressed out, the last thing I'm going to do is go to a website that my employer gave me. Thank you. I How mean, about that's... we fix the core of the problem? And all all these um, executives need to because there's uh, nurse executive um, uh, organizations. Yeah. They need to put pressure on the big nursing ones because this is ridiculous. And the big nursing organizations out there have been silent these past few months and it kind of makes me angry and you know that's why we started NurseCon as a way to get nurses you know on a platform you know helping each other talking about these issues in a very safe and inclusive space so if you are feeling overwhelmed you know I would love for you to to join NurseCon there's nurses and nursing students from all over the world on the platform all chatting and communicating and also getting CNEs I think we have to remain hopeful remember why we got into nursing in the first place. And I think, you know, nursing, in addition to caring for others, nursing is also about advocating, advocating for others. And I think that we forget that a part of that is advocating for ourselves, advocating for our profession and advocating for each other. So while this crisis is happening, we have to remember to advocate for uh, each other. We have to stick up for one another. We have to call out these issues and hold people and organizations accountable. And I think that should give us all a sense of power and realize how important and essential that we are. Yeah, and keep in mind, this issue is directly affecting the patients. Correct. So if you say, oh, no, 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 we, 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 can't, we can't spend any time working on ourselves. I just got to focus on the patients. Spending time getting your hospital to, to be, be better at managing its nursing staff and to staff better and to lower you know, patient ratios is helping the patients. But we're magnet status. Oh, God. (laughs) No, but you're so right. Like, advocating for our uh, profession and advocating for safe ratios at the end of the day helps patients. Absolutely. So it's patient advocacy. Nurse advocacy and patient advocacy go hand in hand. Yeah, you are not being selfish by tackling this problem that everybody knows exists in the industry, and, and yet there seem to be no real solutions yet. Right. It's It's important. Yep. It is important. It's important for not only the nursing industry, but the healthcare industry that this is yep. taking care of. Because at the end of the day, we have seen a trend. And again, this goes pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. There has been a trend that, you know, by by almost burning the nursing profession, it is in some way helping the hospitals with right. their bottom line and to invest in bigger healthcare facilities. And, you know, it's like, you know, taking money away from this one thing to put into another. But at the end of the day, without nurses, there is no healthcare industry. Right. And I feel like uh, hospitals and organizations kind of gaslight us at some point where if we're not coming in or if we're not picking up extra or working so hard, they kind of treat it like a badge of honor that you're not a good nurse. Right. And I just want to tell all the nurses out there that you could be mad at your hospital. You could be mad at your shift. You could be mad at the gum and water bottle they gave you, but that doesn't mean you don't love nursing. Right. And that doesn't mean you don't love caring for others. Absolutely. I'm going to get to Dear Blake. So we got a Dear Blake submission. If you want to submit a Dear Blake or a shout out, you could do just one. We just got one Dear Blake submission. You just got one this week? And one shout out this week. Oh my gosh. So if you, we need more shout outs, guys. Please shout out to your friend or something. I don't care. Shout out to your dog. It's National Dog Day. We'll do shout outs and dear Blake. Uh, you can submit at nurseblake.com backslash podcast. 
Carrie says, Dear Blake, do you have an idea for nurses on improving the profession and work environment? Could eight or 10 hour shifts help with that work? I've been a nurse for almost 30 years. I don't want 12 hour shifts. And I think nurses need to be there for nurses. I think nurses do need to be there for nurses, but we also need to hold organizations and hospitals and employers uh, accountable. There are many nursing jobs that, you know, do 12 hours, eight hours, 10 hours. I know some nurses like the 12 hours. Um, I know some nurses hate the 12 hours. So definitely pick a shift that that works for you. I think the whole 12 hour shift goes into um, not enough staffing. Yeah. If they need- had eight or 10 hours, you would need another nurse as opposed to two over a shift. Yes, but you would work more days. So I don't necessarily know if they would, they would probably need a little bit more nurses. I'm not good at math. Yeah. I mean, you're still working the same number of hours, right? So, right. so you would have to be coming in maybe five days a week instead of three days a week. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's kind of the same, but you also have more turnover. So I think there's also, how does that affect the patients? I think there's safety on both ends, safety on working 12 hours, super long, yeah. and then safety on turnover. When you're passing over a patient to another nurse, there's opportunity for uh, missing communication. When you give report. Yeah. So many times. Um, and improving the profession. Definitely. We need safe staffing. I think we should all be advocating for safe patient ratios, mandatory across the country. And in terms of work environments, we need to advocate for our profession. And like I said, we need to hold executives and hospitals accountable for our work environments. We can only do so much. Nurses can only do so much to help. What? Oh, your, your microphone's like swinging around. It's swinging around? It's swinging around. Why? I don't I'm know. moving too much? Hang on a second. Let me fix my microphone. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought you were looking at me because you thought I was pretty. But you're looking at me because- That's why I'm staring at you. <laughs> um, so work environments. I mean, every nurse is responsible for their work environment, but there's only so much we can do. Does that make sense? Well said. Thank you. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, this all comes down to hospital policies. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't, as, as, a, as, a, as a member of the staff, you're, you're not making decisions on behalf of the Your hospital. Your microphone's swinging around. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then let's get to shout out. Let's, this is our shout out section. <laughs> we have a, just one shout out. That's okay. Do we have listeners of this podcast? Oh, How many listeners? so much. What? Yeah. Do, do people listen? I'm just kidding. I know we have awesome listeners. They the say they do. <laughs> uh, hello, Nurse Blake. Big fan of yours. My name is Casey, and I'm a NICU nurse and a level four uh, NICU in Cleveland. Shout out to all the coworkers. Aww. Thank you so much, Casey. It says... Um, um, okay. So our one shout out, we have a little error here. Uh-oh. It says Uh-oh. the name is Katie uh, on my note, but it also said my name is Casey. Uh, Shout out to Katie. We're going to shout out to to the Katie Casey and then uh, NICU level four uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. What, what? I'd also love to give a shout out to our doggies who are at, who are at doggy daycare today. Zion and Ranger. I hope you're having fun with Sadie and Max. Oh, that's our best friends in the pool plans tag. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. We always love to keep our podcast, you know, light. I know this was a heavy topic, but I think it is an essential topic and an important topic. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing to the nurse Blake podcast. If you want to send a shout out, 
And Dear Blakes, you do that at Thank you all so much. Have a good week. And next week, Brett and I will be a little tipsy as we get into dating a nursing student. So if you have any ah. nursing students in your life, make sure they listen to our next episode next week, episode 25. Big milestone. So exciting. Thank you all so much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.